Super Talk Mississippi media production. Specializing in Ford, Nissan, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Rams. CorinthAutoGroup.com and FordOfCorinth.com, where cars and happy drivers meet. Visit us now in person or online with the experience you deserve. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are working so hard to make this such a great place to live, work, and play. Hey, we've got a great show today, but I wanted to share a couple of things with you. Uh, You may have heard that Section 230... I've, I've talked about it here on the show many times. It, it applies to social media companies. It has to do with whether they're responsible for the content that they uh, that they push out there for us to see the same way that, say, a radio station would be responsible for content or newspapers would be responsible for content. Section 230 is is uh, in, in question now in big ways, and I'm, I'm thrilled to hear it, frankly, and we're going to be spending some more time on the, that particular conversation in, in coming weeks because, you know, I think a lot about the pol- divided political world that we're in today. I'm, this is not a political show, but, I, but I, do, I do spend a lot of time thinking about the role social media companies have played in contributing toward that division. And since I came from a digital media company, I spent a long time in newspapers. I sort of understand how it all works. I believe strongly, as I said on my show before, that social media companies have contributed carelessly to that division in the name of their own profits. And I think this conversation that's going to happen around 230, Section 230, is going to be a very, very important time for us in our in our nation's history. But struggling with a divided world isn't really new. I mean, you can go back in history and find so many incredible examples of the work that leaders have gone through to try to align people. I mean, literally, I, you you name the time in history, and there's been a leader somewhere in that history that has struggled with this. Now, I will admit that social media has put it on, on steroids, but there are so many examples. And I, I just wanted to share a couple with you. Uh, there's a Roman emperor by the name of Marcus Aurea. Aurelius <laughs> destroyed his last name, but it doesn't matter. He was uh, from 161 to 180 AD. He was actually a philosopher, but he said this, and I thought it was just incredibly strong, and it applies today. The object of life is not to be on the side of the majority, but to escape finding oneself in the ranks uh, in the ranks of the insane. The object of life is not to be on the side of the majority, but to escape finding oneself in the rank, in the ranks of the insane. That was back a long time ago, A.D. I'm a big Ernest Hemingway fan. I've read literally everything that he's written. I've got I've got books on my desk now by Ernest Hemingway. This particular one, Green Hills of Africa. But he said this. Listen now, when people talk. Listen completely. Don't be thinking about what you're going to say. Most people never listen, nor do they observe. I think if we did more of that, we wouldn't be so gullible. We wouldn't be so sucked into these traps that social media sets for ourselves. I think, uh, I think too many people don't think for themselves, and they sort of await their thought of the day in social media and their news feeds. Albert Einstein 
the world is in, in greater peril from those who tolerate or encourage evil than from those who actually commit it. That's, that's pretty – Albert Einstein, that, that really applies so well today. The world is in greater peril from, from those who tolerate or encourage evil than from those who actually commit it. Um, and one other before I share sort of a way out on all of this is from Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He said this, we must especially beware, be aware that a small group of selfish men would clip the wings of the American eagle in order to feather their own nests. Certainly that applies today for sure. And I think, uh, I think that Queen Elizabeth II probably had the best way out on this, is the, and that is this. When life seems hard, the courageous do not lie down and accept defeat. Instead, they are all, all the more determined to struggle for a better future. And I think, you know, what she says is we, we should all find ourselves in a situation where we're, where we're seeking inspiring, principled leaders to, to help us way out of this mess. So we can talk about Section 230 all day long, but at the end of the day, even, even with that protection, we should have principled leaders who help sort of guide us in the right direction. Too often, that's not the case, unfortunately. Anyway, food for thought. Didn't want to get too deep this morning, but felt a little f- philosophical. You know, during the holidays, I talked a lot about when we decide to shop local, we're casting a vote for the kind of community we want to live in. And I, I say this almost every show that we're this what what makes Coastal Mississippi so special is that we're a collection of of incredible communities, each with its own sense of place. And the sense of place that that exists in those communities is created actually by the merchants and the restaurateurs and the artists and the other entrepreneurs that are working so hard, I say burning the midnight oil, they're the ones who have the sleepless nights and are working hard, uh, their fingers to the bone, to be honest with you. I mean, it's their passion and their creativity that create one-of-a-kind gifts that help us have this great sense of place here in coastal Mississippi. And I think that's one of the reasons why we see coastal Mississippi being one of the top coastal destinations in the entire United States. So I'll remind you, and I will continue to remind you, that please cast your vote by local. Well, if you think about local merchants and you think about coastal Mississippi and you think about resiliency that I talk about on this show all the time, uh, you, you, you have to realize that those who have stood the test of time have had to, had to, had to weather the storms. They've had to reinvent themselves over time. They've had, uh, they've had to be strong entrepreneurs, and I'm pleased to have one of those local merchants with me this morning who I think really defines resiliency. I want to welcome my friend Paige Riley. Uh, she owns Hillier House in Ocean Springs, and the story of Hillier House is really a story of coastal Mississippi. Paige, how you doing, my friend? Good morning, Ricky. I'm glad to be with you. It's good to see you. Look, we've seen each other a couple of times along the way. It's interesting how my show I often run into people that that I've communicated through my show or through social media or one way or the other, and I've gotten to know them pretty well. I mean, you're one of them, and I think you, maybe we we brushed shoulders. We passed each other once. You were going into a meeting with Joe Cloyd, and I was coming out of a meeting with Joe Cloyd, and we visited for a second. But, um, you know, it's so interesting how this show, because I do it remotely, everybody thinks I'm everywhere, but I'm I'm nowhere. <laughs> I come into my come into my studio and I do my thing and I've been to maybe three or four public events um, since I've so, since I've actually started this show, but 
But I've enjoyed I've enjoyed getting to know you better through through social media, through watching your leadership in the community. And I really look forward to to having this conversation with you because I, I really do believe the story of Hillier House is really a story of coastal Mississippi. It's a story of resiliency. You see it that way too, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I am a fan of coastal Mississippi, and I feel like I started when I was a little girl, and I, here I am in the later years, and I'm still loving and promoting Mississippi. Well, I, I joked with you before uh, before this show started, but... Back when uh, your aunt was was you know birthing this place we know as Hill Your House in Pascrishan, I think you were ten years old when you were working for her. Is that right? Was I was ten and my great it was my great aunt Nellie and my mother that started the store in 1970. And I would walk over after school, so there was always a place to play and a play to do your place to do your homework. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, and as you think about your store today. It's interesting how you talk about mothers bringing young girls in there even today yeah. and how, how you know, years later they come in and register for their weddings. But this sort of generational connection, you enjoy that, don't you? Absolutely. Yes. I think it's really uh, probably one of my favorite passions is just watching the young women grow. And as the little girls come in the shop, I kind of pick out who I think might be a mermaid in their teens and come start working with us. And many do. Well, you've seen, you've seen a lot of young women come through your store that you've, uh, you've contributed toward them sort of cutting their teeth in business or whatever it is they choose to do in life, learning the work ethic and learning from you as, as a mentor that's been a that's been a wonderful part of what you do, hasn't it? It's it certainly has, Ricky. I've had um, many girls come and maybe go off to retail. One's become an architect. One's doctor. One school teacher. I mean, they're in <clears throat> fashion and passion. And I'm also very aware of trying to get our um, young people back on the coast. So if somebody does go away to college, I'm really always trying to get them back home. So Paige, what was going through your great aunt's mind and your mother's mind the year after Hurricane Camille in past Christian that was literally wiped off the face of the earth? Yeah. What was, was going through their mind to, to yeah. form the Heal Your House? Right. So five of my families lost their homes in Camille, along with the whole city of, pa of Pasquistan. And um, my aunt knew that people needed furniture. They were finding houses, housing in different areas and different places. And she found a rental in Pasquistan and decided she would start getting furniture for her friends and family and sell it at cost for the first few years that they were in business. And um, she started in her living room on Portnia Avenue in Pasquistan. And six months later, her husband said, you cannot continue to have a store in our living room. So she found the location on Scenic Drive in Pasquistan. That's a good that's a good place to, to stop it for this segment. When we come back, we'll pick it up from there when they found the location on Scenic Drive. It uh, it was a it was a wonderful sort of place where people went for a, quite a long time. We'll tell that history and, and of course the seminal event that created the the unfortunate opportunity to move to Ocean Springs. But we'll come back when we get on the other side with my friend Paige Riley from Hillier House. We'll see Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I'm visiting with my friend Paige Riley, who owns Hillier House in Ocean Springs. And as I mentioned, the story of Hillier House is really kind of a story of coastal Mississippi. There have been so many important chapters along the way, economic challenges, infrastructure changes that caused Highway 90 to have some some challenges along the way. We'll get into all that here shortly. And even changes in the storm. If you think about it, I mean, to really stand the test of time, you have to be able to read the strategic tea leaves to say, okay, what changes should we make in our store to make it more adaptable? And what I think one of the great stories of the Hillier, Hillier House, as they continue to evolve, they found this incredible connection between providing a great service to the community and helping local artists in and, 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 and ways that we'll explain here in just a second. But this this commitment to American artists and particularly local artists is one of the stories of Hillier House. But it didn't start out that way. It was antiques and specialty China, and you can tell the story. But you, after six months, they found this place on uh, on uh, Scenic Drive in Past Christian, and you can pick it up from there. Yeah. Well, you can imagine it was pretty pretty gruesome for the first few years with as devastated as Pastor Christian was, but people really appreciated that we had a place for them to come and try to get their furniture and get their houses back and then carrying gifts because we then had to pay the rent on Scenic Drive. <clears throat> so we did that. And uh, I was 10, would come to the store after school and it was really interesting to see it evolve to being a full-fledged interior design store. And we certainly flourished by the time 1975 hit. We were sort of had leveled out. Things were looking good. And that's when the interstate came. Yeah, the, we'll come back. We'll come to the interstate here in just a second. But let's think about where you guys were in time. First of all, everyone knows Scenic Drive. What a beautiful part of Past Christian. But you think about you think about in the in the months and years following Hurricane Camille, the challenges that city went through. People were making decisions the same as we were making after Hurricane Katrina. The decisions to rebuild and and to to put their stake down in that city. And as we learned after Hurricane Katrina, buildings don't make a community; the people do. And uh, here's the Hillier House here in Past Christian, opening up on Scenic Drive. The you know six months after they started the business in 1970, and you have all these people that need stuff. They need interior design help. They need furniture. They need. They want to get new china. And you guys, it, it took vision to say this is what the community needs. This is what we're gonna. They need us to do this. This is a business opportunity for us, but we're also serving the community at the same time. That took, but that still took a lot of, uh, that was a courageous set of decisions, wasn't it? Well, I had two really powerful women behind, or, or the leaders that started the store. And my great aunt Nellie Hillier was um, was a great leader. And I don't think she and my mom did it as a business opportunity. I think they did it as at a necessity for a long time. And then the opportunity came probably somewhere in that first eight years yeah. So okay. So you we got to 1975, which incidentally is the year I graduated from high school at Gulfport East. Okay. So 19, what was going on in coastal Mississippi prior to 1975, and that is Highway 90 was kind of this bustling tourism corridor. 
Um, I-10 I had been under construction for a number of different years, n- number of years, and we knew it was going to have a dramatic impact. I don't think we could have ever imagined it was going to have the impact that it was going to have. But, of course, when it finally opened, it changed this this steady flow of tourists into Highway 90 and pushed them up to Highway, excuse me, I-10. And, and, and we had to learn to adjust as it related to that. So you, you saw a town like Pass Christian that have had all these challenges go from being sort of a, a stop on a tourist uh, destination or a tourist uh, 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 highway to a bedroom community almost overnight. And you guys, what was the impact on your business? It was dramatic. I think we probably lost 75% of our business in that traffic. You know, Pastor Stan's a small, small historic bedroom community, and the locals have always supported us. But all of our businesses on coastal Mississippi then and now need our tourism. And it was a it was a five year crawl back up to where we were before. That's why you know it's, it's interesting because these conversations that we're having now about that impact and about one of one of the one of the problems with coastal Mississippi prior to gaming was that we weren't diversified enough. Tourism here was mostly a summertime thing, so there was really a, a real law that happened during the fall and winter months and then of course we we would enjoy what tourism we could get in in the in the tourism months so to speak um you know we had Ingalls and we had chevron and we had you know we had Stennis space center was emerging but the fact is we 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 had a lot of work to do and what what was guiding that was that there was a very significant reliance our region region of coastal Mississippi was very reliant on what was happening in the oil field. So if, if, if you may remember, and if you don't know this, it's important to know this, that in the early 1980s, there was, a, there was a lot of challenges as it related to the oil industry, and it impacted coastal Mississippi negatively. You remember that very well, don't you? I sure do, Ricky. The um, Gosh, so many of our customers, uh, especially on the west end, past Christian, our clientele came from Texas and Louisiana, and they were just, the oil industry shut them down completely. So we, again, saw a huge drop in our business and our clients. It was very sad to have another downhill, not just for the Hillier House, but to know all the families that were affected. So you think about tours and merchants and, I mean, just a wide range of diversified businesses said as this conversation around the possibilities for having gaming in Coastal Mississippi. I've told the story in great detail. Um, my friends Rick Carter and Terry Green and the Pride of Mississippi and what they brought to the conversation, um, it, it was uh, really important. You had uh, Europa in, in Biloxi. So there were a lot of uh, a lot of you know testing of the laws, and then the laws were changing. That went from dock, from had to be docks excuse me had to be traveling to international waters um, to eventually dockside, and um, and we were able to pass it, and you know that really sort of unlocked incredible uh, tourism potential here in coastal Mississippi. So things were rocking along pretty good there for a while until 2005. And uh, what do you remember most about how things were just prior to Hurricane Katrina hitting? And then kind of talk about the aftermath for you. 
Yeah, we were probably in the peak of our business. I had young children running the store full time. Um, the whole coast had seen such a growth, as you said, with gambling. There were so many people coming in from all areas, and it was not just summer. It was year-round. Um, I think each city had grown to be so vibrant in its own right. And when 2005, that August, I don't think any of us could have believed we'd have something worse than Camille. And um, it's shocking. Yeah. And I feel like it's taken 10 years to get back, just as it did after after Camille. It was a good yeah. time. Yeah. Okay, so essentially, as you stood there on the day after Hurricane Katrina and yeah. saw what it had done to your city, what it had done to your business, I mean, you literally had to start over. I did. A really um, important picture that I keep with me is a picture of my two children, and we were in boots, T-shirts, and a hat. And we were on our slab with mud and dirt and not a thing left of my building. And we sat there and we were having lunch, thank goodness, for the truck from Miami that had driven down. And we're feeding people. <laughs> we had food that day. And we're going through trying to find any resemblance of the business that we could to just take with us to, to know we wanted to start over. But to see it decimated was just so hard. And I immediately started working with the charrettes and the community and everything I could to try to get our, not only Casper's Jam, but our whole coast going again. I've talked a lot about the charrettes uh, here on Coastview. Um, was was really honored to be a vice chairman of the recovery effort for with Hurricane, excuse me, with, with Governor, uh, uh, Governor Riley. I did work with Governor Riley in Alabama as well, but with Governor Barber, who became my dear friend, but you know, to ha five weeks after the storm, to have a hundred architects and planners come together to help people at the time said, you know, why are we dreaming about the future? We can't even think about recovery. Well, we had to, because what what happened as a result of that, there were important flood map conversations that rolled out of that infrastructure needs rolled out of that. What were we going to do about our bridges rolled out of that? It wasn't just the envisioning of new cities and all of that. It was it was how that effort ultimately informed Governor Barber, who was spending so much time in Washington, trying to determine what our billions of dollar ask was going to be. It was an amazing story. In fact, it all was told in his book, America's Great Storm. When we come back, we'll continue to talk about Paige's sort of resiliency, which is really a story of Coastal Mississippi's resilience when we get on the other side. We'll see you after this break. Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast You have my friend Paige Riley with us today. She owns Heal Your House. And as I said, the story of Heal Your House is really a story of resiliency. It's kind of a story of coastal Mississippi's history in so many different ways. We were talking about the charrettes, which were 100 architects and planners that uh, we sought private funding for. I was chairman of the, of the Knight Foundation, and the Knight Foundation contributed a million dollars to the governor's commission. Uh, Jim Barksdale, who incidentally was Haley was uh, Governor Musgrove's largest political donor, uh, and and uh, uh, going up against Haley Barber. Haley won that race, but Haley was visionary in that he asked Jim Barksdale, a political appointed but a friend, to come in and lead the governor's commission. But Jim Barksdale himself gave a million dollars. And we had uh, Andreas Duani and an amazing story around that. So we won't get into the details of that now. But there was this, a show that I want to bring your attention to from last Tuesday with Lee Young, who's doing some incredible development in downtown Biloxi now. And at the beginning of our conversation, I talked about Andreas Duani and his, uh, his contributions to Coastal Mississippi, to people like me, for example, to teach me why this notion of sense of place and mixed use and you know, really creating a place where people want to live, work, and play. That's how I learned it. I learned it from from uh, from Andreas and Ben Brown, who was one of the guys who was who was with him and a re- true Renaissance man that we had this access to. So, Paige, you and I were chatting about how important that was in the early stages after Katrina, but it was important, wasn't it? Oh, it was so important. And like you said, there were so many. Uh, a lot of the ideas didn't come to full fruition, but many did. And it certainly is what spirit our coast back to recovery. It is. And it, again, it informed Governor Barber in ways that people don't fully appreciate about what he would ultimately ask for. What happened is um, the uh, a senator, well, I'll, I'll leave it at that, from Louisiana goes to, goes to the Capitol, at Washington, D.C., and says, we need $250 billion, and they didn't have a plan to support that. It created a, a chilling effect in Congress. And what Governor Barber did is he went on a mission to try to cool that down, you know, try to, okay, let's look, let, let us let us tell you what we need, and we're going to have a plan that's going to literally detail all of that. He was able to get bipartisan support, and ultimately, Governor Barber's approach helped actually Louisiana ultimately get what they needed because he he dealt with the chilling effect that he was dealing with and took a much more sort of definitive uh, uh, plan-driven approach that ultimately helped us all out. Okay, so we get in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. You've got big decisions to make, and you decide to come over to Ocean Springs. Tell me about that. Oh, Ricky, I um, for six months, I went back and forth from Destin to Pass Christian, trying to see what would be the best location. And then knowing that I wanted to stay in Mississippi, I was narrowing it down to the Ocean Springs location and was very fortunate to be able to know the woman that had the building there that was um, available there would be coming available in the next few months but it was uh, six months of going back to Pasquistan with tears and working the charrettes trying to get Pasquistan on the ground and when I realized that just wasn't possible and I had to be up and running I made the choice of Ocean Springs and of course it was a great choice yeah it was a good choice for it was a good choice all around good choice for you good choice for Ocean Springs and the reality was as I said many times Ocean Springs was the only city in coastal Mississippi where the city center wasn't significantly destroyed or challenged in some way. 
And so as a result of the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, Ocean Springs became this vibrant place, a, a reminder for places like Bay St. Louis and Pascrishan and Long Beach and Gulfport that we can be there. We can we can make that make that happen. Because it started from this wonderful foundation of not having much destruction, it just became this vibrant place. I mean, this demonstration community, maybe you could say, for the rest of the coast of Mississippi. And that continues today, doesn't it? Yes, it does. People really cherish uh, the sweet space that Ocean Springs kind of brings you back in time uh, with its tree-lined streets and different types of mom-and-pop businesses and fantastic restaurants and we were really lucky to grow after after Katrina, and people still come back to see us, of course. And uh, we like to be one of the one of the first that came back in after Katrina. Yeah, well, that's a that's a really important thing. Now, look, over time though, you had to make a decision. You know, is Hillier House going to be about interior decorating specifically, or furniture, or china? You decided, you know, there was an evolution that occurred along the way. And it's gotten more and more focused on specific local artists and ones that you have developed great relationships with over over a number of years. Tell a little bit about that transition. Yeah. So, Ricky, we were in that sort of furniture, and so many people had gotten their furniture. That wasn't what people needed. There were a lot of Chinese imports coming in. This got to be... <sighs> Nothing was made in America. We had our local painters, but there just wasn't being enough emphasis made in America. So we made a choice in the 80s to only buy American made. So my mother and I started traveling um, to all, all over the country, but especially there's a American made market in Philadelphia, and we found amazing crafters. And that was 30, 30 years ago, um, 30 or 30 plus, and we started just still have so many of those artists in the store today and um and we're finding new emerging artists all the time you know when i say that what creates a sense of place are the entrepreneurs and the restaurateurs and the artists we are gifted in coastal mississippi aren't we that we have we're surrounded by so many people who really get it and and they they're defining that sense of place yes they definitely are with the writers, with the museums, with the songwriters. We have so much, so many, so much wealth of artistry in our in our community. I love, I love. I know you've you've uh, been involved with the Walter Anderson Museum there in Ocean Springs, and I love spending time with Julian Rankin, the executive director there. We spent he and I spent hours and hours together here on Coast View talking about stuff. But he has such a poetic way to talk about. It place and why that's important. And it's not just Walter Anderson, who clearly was a Renaissance man and contributed to coastal Mississippi in ways that, you know, the average person who has not seen the documentary that, that Robert St. John and his partner did or read the book that they did can't fully appreciate. Although, by the way, um, broadcasting networks throughout the nation now are, are, are running that documentary. And as I've said here on Coast View many times, it's going to be a little bit the George Orr effect where no one really knew much about his pottery until the New York scene got interested long after his death. And then here we are today, obviously, a pot worth you know $30,000. Well, the same thing is going to happen with Walter Anderson. But Julian has this way of, of talking about the relationship between art and, and place and sense of place and community 
man, we're lucky to have gifted leaders like him in this community, aren't we? Oh, we really are. He's one amazing, amazing man. And we were certainly lucky and blessed to get him. No, no doubt. No doubt. And uh, of course, he wrote a book about the Mississippi Delta. And I spent a lot of time in the Mississippi Delta. So he is, and he spent time in Jackson at, at a museum in Jackson. And so he brings with him so much, so much experience. But you think about how all those different pieces fit together in Ocean Springs. You look back, and it, it turned out to be a really smart decision, didn't it? Yes, it was. Probably uh, one of the best decisions I've ever made. And Pastor Shans, it's coming along, isn't it? It definitely is. It will always be my hometown. Yeah, and I don't. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Um, I have a, my dear friend uh, Dave Dennis, who owns a house on Scenic Drive. For a matter of fact. Um, he loves that community, and you know, I don't know anyone who lives in Ocean Springs. Excuse me, lives in Pascrishan. Same for Ocean Springs, I might add, but in Pascrishan, who doesn't just love it. And when my wife Ann and I go there to have lunch every now and then, I'm reminded about how quaint and beautiful that downtown area is. It's really evolving, isn't it? It really is. And Scenic Drive is just a um, gem for the entire nation to have that strip of beautiful historic. Annabellum Homes. So when you look at your business today, how are you doing? What's what's the latest in, as it relates to the state of affairs for Heal Your House? Yeah, so we are, we just had our very best year ever in 2022, which is amazing. Um, onward and upward, you know, my mother taught me to always continue to grow and look and see what you could do to um one, always be involved in your community, but you always had to be out there thinking of sort of where you were headed and keep it fresh. So uh, we're keeping it fresh. We're bringing in new artists and we're seeing some of our artists retire, which is just hard to believe. You know, they've been doing their art for 50 years and um, I'm just honored to continue. I have a great leader with me, Susanna Snyder. I couldn't do the store today without her. She's a young powerhouse. And she's, she's actually also involved in the community, too, isn't she? Yes, she is. So, look, when we come back for the final segment of Heal Your House, we'll sum it all up for you. Talk about the future and, um, and anything else that Paige might want to talk about. We'll see you after this. Live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say Alexa. Open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. When you spend your money locally, you're casting a vote for the kind of community you want to live in. I don't think that could be said any more powerfully. I actually saw a quote sort of like that on uh, buy local. It's a, you know, just a, uh, I think it was hashtag buy, buy local, but, but I've, I modified it slightly to apply to coastal Mississippi, but the collection of communities that make up this great place is why we all live here. It's why we love this place we call paradise. 
And uh, I'm lucky to have the opportunity to have a friend by the name of Paige Riley, who's joined me today. She owns Heal Your House. And as I said, Heal Your House is a story of resiliency. And I hope you've enjoyed listening to this story because it, it's a it's a great story about commitment and love for community and resiliency and a willingness to simply not stay down. You know, there, when I say burn to midnight oil and have the dog of determination, Paige Riley, you know what that means, don't you? Talk Talk about how do you define that? What does that mean to you? Ricky, um, I will tell you uh, a, a little story that adds about the power. Um, after after Katrina, uh, before I was able to locate the building in downtown Ocean Springs, I opened in my living room in Pasper Strand. And it was pretty eerie to see that I had flipped 50 years from where my aunt started or 45 years where my aunt started. And here I was opening in my living room. Children who were my age at Camille, they were eight and ten, just said, Mom, you've got a store, but there's nobody here. <laughs> I was one of the only houses on the block, but it gave me the strength to know that I could pull a store together. And um, and then fast forward to what I think I'm so proud of the the store and the legacy that we have become today. Well, you heard that quote that I shared at the beginning of the show from Queen Elizabeth, but I'll read it again. And it applies to so many people, people like you. When life seems hard, the courageous do not lie down and accept defeat. Instead, they are all the more determined to struggle for a better future. I mean, if you if you think about how many local businesses, I mean, I, I got to see it firsthand uh, as the publisher of the Sun-Herald I got to see so many people just toil through how were they going to do this. I I, I often said at the Sun Herald that Katrina redefined poor. And and I, I'll give you an example. I have a friend of mine who lives on the water not not far from me. And he literally was eating bologna sandwiches for a long, long time. And I one day I said, talk to me, what's going on? He said, Well, Ricky, here's the bottom line. My house was destroyed and I was underinsured. My clinic was destroyed, and I was incredibly uninsured. I'm having to literally bet the ranch. I'm literally having to mortgage my future in order to get back to have a place to live again and have a business to operate. I don't have money to buy food right now, to be quite honest with you. Paige, how many people do you feel had the same kind of dilemma? Hundreds, hundreds. Unbelievable. And we got to see it. Say, say it again. I'm sorry. Unbelievable courage and strength. Unbelievable courage and strength. Gosh. I mean, and people who are hearing this this conversation now, you know, they're having all those memories conjure back up again. I remember two days after Hurricane Katrina, I wrote a, wrote a, a chapter in a book that I didn't publish, but it was a story about overcoming adversity. And I was I went back and in my backyard. I live on Back Bay. Thank God we weren't killed. We were here with ten foot waves hitting our house during Katrina, and um, there was a pile of boats and debris and everything in my backyard. And I got up on top of it two two days after the storm and just cried like a baby. And uh, I saw this squirrel run across the the ground and it ran up into the tree. And I thought, gosh, how did that squirrel squirrel make it? That's amazing to me. And then I noticed that the entire fur on one side of his back was completely missing. 
just completely wiped away. All you could see was muscle, you know, bare bleeding muscle. <clears throat> and it hit me that the, that squirrel's not going to survive. And and then I looked at myself and I looked at my family and I realized that we were all okay and that we were going to we were going to get through this and this it was a little moment of divine intervention the way I see it. We all had moments like that though, didn't we? Yes, we did. And we had to kind of cry it out and realize that it's time to buckle down and go move forward. Paige, one of the things I mentioned, I want to mention to you is I want to thank you for your support. Uh, I went on a bit of a mission with Coastal Mississippi Tourism. We won't get into a long conversation about that now, but uh, things have really settled down. I was really, really passionate about it. It was a major recommendation we made. I had the, the, the pleasure of being the chairman of the tourism effort coming out of, after Katrina, and we felt regional tourism was extremely important. And there were efforts to kind of mess with that a little bit. And But you were very supportive during that time. And I, I wanted to say I really appreciate your, your support. Well, you are so welcome, Ricky. I think it just is. It's always been vital. And it, lo, the regional approach should have maybe taken effect many decades ago. But the fact that we did it, and um, it certainly is the right way to go. We've seen the power and what it's been able to uh, show the, the country, what Mississippians have to bring, especially off coast we need to continue to be a regional tourism with a voice for everyone i can't agree more and uh, and the jackson county board of supervisors did a great job of, at appointing jerry st pay and Paige roberts and greg cronin the current chairman yes. and uh, they've they've brought some calmness back to the conversation and they're doing less internal focus and a whole lot more external focus which is where it ought to be hey god bless you my friend it's been a pleasure to spend some time with you thank you ricky i thoroughly enjoyed it and love coast View. Keep it up. You bet. This has been Paige Riley from Hillier House, and it's been, I really enjoyed this show today. I hope you did too. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.